Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with our new show. It's called What Do I Say? and it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. He seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one. Hello and welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan and I am the lead pastor at New Hope Church. And as always, I'm joined by Pastor Jake. Howdy. And we want to thank you for taking time out of your day, wherever you might be, uh, and listening and joining us on this important topic. And just as a reminder, this podcast, we... We're here, and this podcast exists to to really uh, seek to apply the timeless truths of Scripture to the timely topics that we face today. And so each episode, we strive to take on a specific topic that is uh, something that we we think about and we maybe have questions about and equip you uh, as a person. Maybe you're just checking out the claims of Christ, or maybe you are a follower of Jesus today. Either one to equip you to think biblically about these various questions and topics that are really very, very important. And let me just mention as well, as always, if you would like to interact uh, with with me and uh, maybe on the topic that we're discussing today, or you have another question or topic you would love to be see addressed in this podcast uh, show, that uh, you would email me at ryan at newhopeadel.org and uh, just absolutely love to hear from you. Well, today what we're going to do is uh, follow up on a previous episode. The question we're taking on is, what do I need to know about spiritual warfare? And as we mentioned in the last episode, the first episode, this is a practical question. This is clearly an important question, and it's one that uh, a lot of us, we have either questions or uh, confusion about. And so in this series, here's what we're doing. We are looking to share with you five basic truths about spiritual warfare. And these are the five basic truths that I'm convinced that every Christian needs to know. Now, we're not covering all the details around spiritual warfare. In fact, there's a lot that we're not going to cover, but this is really laying a foundation. I really want us to think of this as a spiritual warfare 101 type of approach. Yeah. This is getting you the bare basics and then where, where does other conversation about this happen? Like if someone was was curious and was like, okay, this has been super interesting. What what next steps would you give them if this is an area where they're struggling? There, uh, I'll mention this also at the end of chapter of episode three, but uh, I would encourage those of you listening, especially if you're a part of New Hope Church here in Adel, that you would go to Right Now Media. Mm. They have some really good resources there. In particular, there is a video series that Tony Evans put together, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he does a good job, okay. and that would be a great place to go. Yeah. Uh, you can also email me and uh, some book recommendations. I'd be okay. happy to share those those yeah. with you as well. For me personally, I think small groups has always been a place where I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you don't feel free to like. Oh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna email Pastor Ryan. I don't, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that yet. But where where sometimes small groups is a place to have that conversation. Say, hey, this is kind of what I've been thinking about. It. This has been on my mind. Or I read this. What do you guys think about this? That's been a place for me too. That is especially. As we talk about spiritual warfare, that's been a place that's been helpful. It's a great idea. Yeah. So what are, what are these five truths? We we touched on two of them already, right? We did. In fact, um, I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've missed episode one, maybe push pause, go back and check out episode one because each, uh, they all fit together. Mm-hmm, uh, but just to do a quick review though, episode one, we, we hit two of the five basic ideas. 
The first one we talked about is that there is an invisible world, that there is a whole lot more going on than what our eyes can see. Mm-hmm. That there is another reality that exists that is just as real as this physical world. And that's a foundational idea that we, we need to embrace and what the Bible often clearly uh, discusses. Mm-hmm. So that was the first uh, uh, basic idea. The second is this from episode one, that we are involved in an invisible war. That, that you have an enemy who's out to get you and, and the fight was brought to you. You may be thinking like, I didn't choose this. I don't want this. But here's the thing. You can engage it or ignore it, but you can't make it go away. Mm-hmm. If you love Jesus, you have an enemy and that war is real. Yeah. The reality of this is something that stuck out to me in the youth group last night. Um, we, we were talking about truth. What is truth? And as I listened, I kind of was was gathering these the way that these kids think about truth is we think about and I, I'm gonna use words that I use with middle schoolers, so I apologize for it not sounding quite uh as academic as it might. <laughs> um but anyway, one of them you you talk about like real truths, things that are like really observable, things that I can see. This pen is white and red, that the sky is blue, like very simple things that that are just true. We know they're to be true. And then we put spiritual truths kind of in this other box. It's like, oh, yeah, that's true. God is real. Jesus died for my sins. Those things are true. There is an invisible battle going on. That's true. But for some reason, it's really hard for us to be like, that's just as true as anything in the other bucket. And so the end, we talked about different truths and we put them, which one goes in which bucket? In the end, I just dumped them out and they're all in the same bucket. They are all real. And I think... For middle schoolers, it it was it was like, oh, really? But I think for us, we know that, but the way we live doesn't necessarily reflect that. We definitely favor what we can empirically verify. Mm-hmm. In other words, through our five senses. Yeah. If I can see it and smell it and touch mm-hmm. it, taste it, hear it, that feels Measure it. more of, of a real verification mm-hmm. process as opposed to something that I can't do that with. Mm-hmm. So that is a very true thing. Yeah. So there's an invisible world and we are in an invisible war. So that was episode one, but yeah. we we really obviously dove deeper into that in that episode. So go back and check that out. In this episode, we're going to hit uh, number three and part of number four. So let's go ahead and get started. Here's our third basic truth out of five that every Christian needs to know about spiritual warfare. And it's this idea that our enemy is formidable. He is formidable. And I want to be very crystal clear about this, that Satan's mission is not to inconvenience you. It's not to irritate you. He's looking to destroy you. Mm-hmm. He, he's looking to destroy your marriage, to destroy your relationship with your kids, to, to ruin and destroy your ministry and more. His goal, his focus, his mission statement, if you want to say, is to ruin the cause of Christ and to take out God's people. Mm-hmm. He is very real. And and we know this. His handiwork is everywhere to see. Mm-hmm. Look at the evening news. Look at the community around you. Look within you. I mean, we see this this handiwork is everywhere, and he's not to be taken lightly. Now, the Bible talks about him. Uh, Jesus talked about him. And we have, as followers of Christ, we, we've been warned. And let me give you one example of a warning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, now it doesn't say scare you, it doesn't say frustrate you, 
It says to devour you. There's the warning. He's real. It's a very intense warning. It is. And I actually looked up, like, it's interesting that it's compared to a lion. Yeah. So how do lions go after their prey? How do they prowl? And the primary way they do it, which is really interesting, is that they they hunt their prey by waiting patiently. Mm-hmm. They'll hide out in the brush. They'll just crawl patiently a little bit. They'll be as patient as they need to be. I've, I've seen a, a, a meme online that was, it's just a picture of, of grassland. And it says, if you haven't seen the lion by now, you're already dead. And then the next picture is like, I think six or eight lions, like with their heads popped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can actually, you can see this with a house cat too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's sort of the same, but not yeah. as scary. It, 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 this creeping, patient, mm-hmm. hiding out, getting just to the right moment. And then when the right moment hits, they strike yeah. and the prey's dead. Well, that's how he's compared. Yeah. He's patient and he's looking to devour. Yeah. He's looking to take you out. I, th- I think the other thing, again, wild crats, I have small children in the home, so that's where I learned about animals. But uh, they always attack whenever their prey is vulnerable to. They're attacking when they're, they think they've looked around, they think everything's fine, and they bend down to get a drink of water, and then it's there you go, get done at that moment. It's over. Yeah. What I want to do now is I, w- I want to pause on this, because if we say our enemy is formidable, I think it's important to talk about who is this? Who is our enemy? Mm-hmm. What do we know from scripture about, about, about Satan? You know, because if we're going to have any chance in the fight, then we need to know the strengths and weaknesses of our opponent. And so, so we're, let's take on this question just for a moment, a little segue of who, who is our enemy? I think there's a lot of questions about this. I've gotten questions personally of like, is Satan Jesus's brother? Is he, where did he come from? Who's helping him? Yeah. Exactly. So I'd love to dive Let's into hit a this. couple points. This won't be exhaustive, but just a, a couple points to give us some good foundation on his background. The first one I think is important to mention is that Satan is a created being. Mm-hmm. This is really, really important. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For by him, this is Jesus, all things were created. That means all things. That means there's no exception. Everything was created by him. Things in, in heaven. And on earth, visible and invisible, whether uh, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. That's very, very clear. Mm -hmm. And that includes our enemy. See, Satan is a formidable enemy, but he is not God's equal. He had a beginning. He has limitations. You see, there's this idea out there that God and the devil are sort of in this eternal battle as equals. It's mm-hmm. back and forth. It's yin and yang. It's like Star Wars. Well, there you go. Light and dark. But that is not true at all. Satan mm-hmm. is created. Same, Satan is limited. God and Satan are not equals. Satan is a created being. He has a beginning. There was a time when there he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And God, of course, is not that. And so that's the first important thing I think to understand. The next thing to sort of add more flesh to this is Satan was created and how? As an angel, okay. like that's his that's his beginning. Now, where do we see this at? Great question, Ezekiel twenty eight, and I would encourage you, listeners, when you're not driving and you have a moment, uh, to to look up this chapter, uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Let me just call that out as an example, talking about uh, about him, Satan. It says, "You were anointed as a guardian 
cherub. For so I ordained you. So in other words, he was created as a cherub, which more on that in a second, but that's a type of angel. And he was given a job. Angels have jobs. They have tasks. They're, they're servants of God. Continues on, it says, you were on the holy mount of God and you walked among the fiery stones. In other words, you, you served in God's presence. It says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. There it is again until wickedness was found in you. So what do we learn here? We learn that Satan was created uh, not just any angel, but as a as a cherub angel. So cherubs are the chubby little baby ones, right? With the diapers and the yeah. bow and arrows? I yep. don't think so. No. <laughs> but and, and let me add this. Lucifer, which we'll get to the names later on. Lucifer was this original name that we know from Isaiah. And uh, cherubs or the cherubim for plural, they're angelic beings, and they what we know from scriptures, they were involved in worship and praise of God. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. They're the worship team. They're the ones that lead out in um, adoration and worship of who God is in heaven. We also know from Ezekiel twenty-eight that Lucifer before the fall is described as as he was exceedingly beautiful. Uh, he was likely the highest of all angels. I mean, it's really? possible that he was the the lead worshiper hmm. in heaven, the, the worship leader, if you will. But the sad part, of course, the the fall is that Lucifer was not content in his position. He he desired to be God. Hmm. He didn't want to give praise to God. He wanted the praise to be for him. Oh, okay. Of course, this was fueled by by pride. Uh, you know what's interesting, by the way, too, is that that desire to to be God and to to sort of step into that rank and place, that is exactly the way Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh, it is, isn't it? It was the same Do angle. you desire to be like yes, God? exactly. No, we couldn't heal. Wow. So Lucifer, he he freely chose to rebel against God. He freely chose to to desire to usurp his throne. This is a coup attempt, if you will, hmm. uh, doomed from the beginning. And I want you to notice too, again, for those of you listening, I'm not going to read the passage here, but Isaiah 14, go to verses 12 through 14, because it talks about this narrative of this fall account that Lucifer had. And as you do that, I want you to notice all the I will statements in there. Okay. Because it talks about how I will usurp the throne. I will be this. I Mm. want this. I mean, it just goes into this very prideful, arrogant posture that Lucifer had in his effort. And you said that was in Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Interesting. Actually, you know what? I'm giving a lot of verses out. Let's just read it. Okay. It says this, it says, you said in your heart, this is regarding Lucifer, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Mm. That is a very arrogant, pride-fueled, self-oriented, all about it, all about himself and wanting to be the focus of worship and adoration. Yeah. So when you said he fell, you talked about when did he fall? That's an interesting question, isn't it? So when did all this happen? But here's what we know. What we know is that the angels were created before the earth. Okay. We know that from Job chapter 38. 
So okay. the angels come before that. So if we're thinking Genesis, this is like, I mean, before chapter one. That's right. Okay. Genesis chapter one, one in the beginning. Yeah. Well, there's there's more before the beginning. Okay. This is the beginning of creation. Right. And so you have you <laughs> yeah. have we have that. So we know that angels are in place there. Then we we also know that Satan had already fallen, obviously, before the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter three. Mm-hmm. So you've got this, you've got these two sort of bumpers of well, when in between did the fall happen? The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know. We we don't know if it occurred minutes or hours before the temptation in the garden, mm-hmm. days or years, but we don't know. Well, and our first bumper is just eternity past, right? There you, go. you got that too before we even have time. Right. Yeah. So, so we don't know that, but here's what we do know. Satan picked his moment like a roaring lion on the prowl, hunting the prey. Mm-hmm. And I, I just personally think this is really interesting because Satan's first attack the moment he thought this was the right time to go after humanity, Adam and Eve, was actually the marriage. Hmm. He strikes the marriage first. What do you mean? I mean, he didn't go after Adam. See, there was mm-hmm. a period of time, we don't know how long, it mm-hmm. was just Adam. Why didn't he go after Adam? That's interesting. Why did he wait? And then he goes after as a couple. And there's so much There's so much in that Genesis 3 account mm-hmm. that is tragic but instructive that is beyond this, this episode here. But you have this idea. I mean, God invented marriage. He invented family. It's the bedrock for all society, and he goes after that first. And he's still doing it today. Mm-hmm. Oh, That marriage, the family, yeah. that is target number one, and he's still doing it. In so many different ways, too. That's, yes. Mm. So that's number three. So our enemy is formidable, and we need to recognize that to be wise. Number four, as we keep going. I mean, because right now it just, like, I mean, it's good information, but it kind of feels, I don't know, like if if we're talking about our enemy as a lion, like if you were like, hey, a lion got out and they dealt today. Like, I realize that's not going to happen. But like, I have, I've locked myself away. Like, it it almost scares me to the point of, of being paralyzed thinking about who he is and how powerful he is. Um, so, I mean, are we, are we ending there or we got something a little bit more? Well, let me, let's use force. that analogy real quick. Yeah. Let's pretend a lion was set loose in our community or okay. town. And, and the news report goes out, there is a lion. That's obviously, to your point, I think I do the same. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm locking in a building, in a car. Yes. <laughs> like I'm yeah. not going to freely walk around town where the lion is. But what if you knew something about the lion? What if, for example, you knew the lion always and only goes to where there's water? Okay. So here in Adele, we've got the Raccoon River and lots of different places. It's kind of moves around the town. So, so I'm going to stay away from that. And what if you knew that the lion, um, uh, hated parks? I don't know. I'm making stuff up, but like you, you, you had this information about the lion Mm -hmm. that helped you understand who the enemy is and Mm -hmm. how to approach the lion or how Mm -hmm. to deal with a lion being loose in your community. Yeah. Well, that becomes a game changer. Yeah. And that's what the Bible gives us. The enemy is formidable. The invisible war is real, but that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think number four and number five are really going to bring some hope to yeah. help us understand what to do. So let's go on to number four, and it's this idea, that while we must respect our enemy, we are not to fear him. Mm-hmm. We're not. The lion is loose, but do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. 
And I say, well, why? Because I, I actually am. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that feels very, very scary here. See, the Bible is clear. We need to be aware of his methods, aware of his ways, but not preoccupied by them. Because our preoccupation needs to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's where we place our focus. Now, one great way to become educated about his ways, his tactics, uh, what he's trying to accomplish is by looking at his names. See, Satan, just like God, has various names that are ascribed in the Bible. And what this is going to do is just like 2 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about that we should not be unaware of his schemes. This is going to help us understand, well, what are his schemes? Okay. What does he do? How does this lion operate? And names in the Old Testament were much more meaningful than we how we think of, I mean, my name was picked out of a movie. So like that doesn't mean anything. But names back then connected a lot more with character and behavior, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So there, there's several names. Very briefly, let me just go through these and, and we can just see what they are. The first one I already mentioned, and I'm going to mention this just again, uh, more in a passing way, but Lucifer, because that was the pre-fall name. This, uh, it, it literally means son of the morning. It's only used one time in the whole Bible, Isaiah 14, verse 12. Just once, huh? Just one time. Really? It's referred to. Here, here's what it says. It's describing him. It says, uh, how are you? Uh, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Mm. And again, most agree that this was the angelic name of of the evil one before he rebelled against God. So, so we have that name. That's a little more of a past tense type of scenario. How about now? Well, again, he's referred to in different ways. The most common name that he has is actually the devil. Okay. And we're familiar with that. That name means slanderer or false accuser. A great way where we see this in action is in Job chapters one and two. This is where the devil goes before God and it starts accusing before God Job. Right. Job's lack of character or Job would, hey, you know what? He only obeys you because you're good to him. If you take some of the the goodies away from his life, all of a sudden he's gonna he's gonna turn and run from you. Mm. And so this name, by the way, is used 61 times in the Bible. It's quite a bit. Really gives us something about his character. He is a slanderer and an accuser, especially of the church. Another name I've been using this quite a bit is Satan. Satan means adversary, enemy. This this name indicates his basic nature. He is the enemy of God. He is the enemy of all God does and all God loves. Hmm. This word is used 56 times in the Bible. Now, those are the primary two, because after that, we have a big drop-off in the amount of usage. Another one is Beelzebub. Now, that one's sort of interesting, and it has different variations, in fact, of different ways it is even said in the Bible. Like, some cases, it's Beelzebul, hmm. Beelzebub, and, and on and on. But what it means, it, it, it means Lord of the Flies or Lord of the hmm. Dung. Okay. Kind of interesting. Very, very interesting. Now, the background of this is actually in the Old Testament, the Philistines. The Philistines had an idol for them, a lowercase g god that they worshipped, and it was Beelzebub. In fact, archaeologists in that area have have uncovered golden images of flies. Now, I don't understand why that would be sort of selected as an object of worship or a personification of a god that they wanted to worship, Mm -hmm. but that's where it began. Hmm. And later, the Pharisees picked up on this in sort of a mocking way, began to ascribe this 
this idol, this uh, this name okay. to Satan, um, because it's not flattering. No, I mean this is Lord of the landfill, Lord of the yeah. flies, Lord of the refuse, Lord of again uh, dung. Uh, so that name is used seven times. And in fact, we're as a church are going through, we were going through Mark and it was just used in a passage yeah. where the Pharisees, where the religious leaders accused Jesus of of doing his um, his work, his ministry by the power of Beelzebub, hmm. the prince of demons um, there. Um, another one, uh, Belial, that's another one that's used in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. It just is a general reference for evil. You've got other names uh, that are sort of just used very, uh, not very often. You have uh, evil one, First John five nineteen, uh, tempter, sec- or First Thessalonians three five, accuser of the brethren of the church, Revelation twelve, the prince of this world, John twelve. So, so those are the the names that that are ascribed to him. So, what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that his his nature. And his activity is to oppose you. Uh, it's to slander you, to tempt you, and to promote evil. Mm. That's his mission. That's his passion. That's his purpose. I, I like what you said at the beginning, too, because I think the when we start to learn a little bit about Satan, we can go, there's rabbit holes we can go down where we start to focus on on him a ton, and we learn more about him. And um, there's this idea, I ride motorcycles, and this idea in motorcycle riding called object fixation and you can see it in brand new riders and you essentially go around the corner and you should look where you want to go that's where your focus should be but what you do instead if you're a new rider and you're distracted is you you focus on where you don't want to go and you end up focusing on a tree and you you look at the tree and you say i don't want to hit that i don't want to hit that and then you go right towards it and it feels like i've seen the same thing happen when we talk about spiritual warfare and satan especially where we, we focus so hard on Satan and that's where we end up getting drawn to or instead of learning about him, but then focusing on where we should be going, focusing on him, on Jesus. And so I appreciate what you said there. Even as we learn, we still want to turn towards him, towards Jesus at the end. Well said. Well, speaking of saying, there's more to say on this point, but we're going to pause here for episode number two. Again, thank you for joining us on the What Do I Say podcast, and we look forward to uh, connecting with you on the next episode on Spiritual Warfare, Five Basic Truths. God bless.